First Kings 18, rather. I'm sorry. First Kings 18. I'm going to begin reading at verse 21. First Kings 18, verse 21 through 24. First Kings 18, 21 through 24. And then I'll pick up verse 38 and 39. So immediately I just changed it a little bit on you, so just follow along with me, please. First Kings 18, verse 21. You got it? It says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, what? Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are, okay. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I'll prepare. Now, when he says no fire under it, what he means is don't put any, any wood under it. Don't put anything in there that could, uh, that's combustible because it's going to be a miracle. Okay. Verse 24, then you call on the name of the Lord, you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. All the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Verse 38 and 39. 38 and 39. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's read that together. Ready to read. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Today I'm talking again on the subject, the God who answers by fire. Thank you, Father, for giving us opportunity now to spend this time in your word. I pray that you give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech, and I pray that your people would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive that which you speak to us this day. And I pray, Father, that, that God, the word will be unhindered, unchecked by any outside force, and that, God, there be no distraction or hindrance in the atmosphere, that your people may receive the word and that we may apply it to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen, amen. and amen. All right, take your seats. The God who answers by fire. Hallelujah. Now, as I shared with you last week, the most fundamental concept in our Christian faith is based on Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's the very foundation of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, the book of Genesis is the foundation of the Bible itself. We know that, right? Everything about, the, about creation, everything about eternity is found in Genesis. Would you agree with that? If there's a concept that you hear about, a principle you hear about, and you can't find it in Genesis, throw it out. Because Genesis is the foundation of everything. And right at the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so you and I have to stand on this foundation, this one concept, that God created everything. In the beginning God, God, Elohim. Not lowercase g, but capital G. Which means this is a particular God. This is a particular God. And I told you last week how Satan came along and he began to unravel that. He came along and he talked to Adam or talked to Eve rather and convinced her that God was dishonest. That God wasn't truthful, truthful with her. He told her you shall not surely die. God was telling you a lie. This is a liar telling her God's lying. <laughs> he said you, you shall not surely die. God just knows that if you eat of this fruit, you'll be like him knowing the difference between good and evil. And he led her into this deception and then Adam's sitting there and Adam takes it willingly. 
Adam moved into a place of distrust of God. Adam, who had had God fellowshipping with him every day, now all of a sudden he's distrusting God's word. And from that distrust, you move from there into a disconnection. Because the Bible says that God put Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden and put an angel there to make sure that, th that they could not go back in there and touch that tree of life. So they move from just a distrust to now a disconnect. That'll help some married person. If you ever get into a place of distrust, you will soon be disconnected. That'll help some church member who you're struggling right now to stay in this church. If you don't trust your leadership, you will soon disconnect. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you ought never stay somewhere that you don't trust. Anyway, so they move from this place of distrust to disconnect. Now they were serving God, but now they're, they're out of this thing now. Now, you know, they have, have another, they have these sons, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel, right? And then now they have another son named Seth. Now, the Bible goes on, talks about Seth. If you look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, the Bible says Seth had a son. In Genesis 4, 26, Seth had a son. And it says, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Boy, that's big. Because here is Adam who knows God, Adam who has walked with God, and the Bible says, then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Adam had gone from distrust to disconnection and wasn't even calling on God, but he, he knew all about God. He was in a place where he could tell his son and his grandsons and his great-grandsons and a great-great-great, I told you all about Enoch a few weeks ago. He talked to these boys about, about God, but he himself was not calling on him. Because the Bible clearly says that when Seth had his son Enoch, the Bible says, then men begin to call. Now we're talking about in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And yet, here the Bible says, not until Genesis 4, that men begin to call on the name of the Lord. They had grown so far from God, they're not calling him. Then you look over in Genesis chapter 6, and the Bible we read about Noah. Noah who the Bible says he was a righteous man. God found one righteous man. The wickedness had grown so great that God said, I can't take it anymore. There's a point, wickedness grows so great, God says, I can't take it anymore. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ returns, it'll be like the days of Noah. It'll be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I don't know about you, but if you check your news, check your paper, we're living in the days of Noah. We're living in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah right now. Can I get a Hallelujah. And right now what we're seeing, the things that are happening, God said, I can't take it much longer. So there is a wrath that is coming on this earth. And you better make sure you're not left out there in that flood, but you get over here in this ark. You're not left down there when that fire hits Sodom and Gomorrah, but God takes you away to a safe place. Like he did with Lot. But in Genesis 6, we see that Noah was a righteous man and he's serving God. So God found somebody who would serve him in the midst of all the wickedness. But then Noah, he perishes, he dies after the flood is over. And then you get, you get eventually Genesis chapter 11 and you have a man named Nimrod and they begin to build this tower, what we call the Tower of Babel. And now we have the advent of humanism in the earth. 
they're trying to do their own thing. They said, let us build ourselves a tower. They said, let us make bricks and let us build ourselves a tower. Let us build ourselves a way to heaven. In other words, they're, they're, God had already told them to go out in all the earth. He had given Noah that command. They're supposed to go all over the earth, but they said, we're not going to go all over the earth. We need to be together. It's humans trying to solve humans' problems. Disobeying God's command. And here they are now in Genesis chapter 11, and they are serving all their other false gods. So much so, we arrive at the end of Genesis chapter 11, we're introduced to a man named Abram. Y'all remember Abram? Some of you know him as Abraham. But we know him initially as Abram. Abram. And when you talk about Abram, we know him as the father of our faith, but he didn't start that way. When God first found and spoke to Abram, when he told him to get out of your father's house in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, he tells him, get out of your father's house from your, from your kindred, out of your country. And here, the reason why was because when he spoke to Abram at first, he found him in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. Do you know your Bible? He found him in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And the thing about the Chaldeans, the Chaldeans were astrologers. They were astrologers, they were moon worshipers, they were sun worshipers, they were stargazers. They lived their whole lives revolved around uh, the signs, like some of y'all are getting back into with your Aquar Aquarius and Pisces and your, your Leo and all your little signs you're getting back into. That's what the Chaldeans were guilty of. Are y'all quiet in this Baptist church? They, they were Chaldeans, they were astrologers, and they were all about the signs, and they were watching the moon and the stars and the sun and the planets to see how things align, and they lived their lives based on that, and they worshiped those things that in the beginning God created. They worship the things. Now, I showed you last week that God said in the book of Romans chapter 1 that God made himself known by all the things that we see. So they knew God based on the things that they saw. But rather than worship God, they worship what they saw. They worshiped what they saw. And they were worshiping the sun, the moon, the stars. Abram was a moon worshiper himself, a pagan, a stargazer. And God tells him in Genesis chapter 1, I want you to come out from your father's house. Come out from your kindred. Come out from your family. Go to a land that I'm going to show you. He said, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to multiply you. And I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to bless those who bless you. And I'm going I'm to curse those who curse you. Come on, help me somebody. And then he keeps going and God's now, he's working with Abram trying to convince him to believe this word. I'm walking through the scriptures on you. Chapter 14, Abram encountered, he goes out and he delivers Lot and the folk there of Sodom. And God tells him, hey, I'm the almighty God. Abram had made a commitment. He said by this time in Genesis 14, when King, when Berea, the king of Sodom, comes and offers him all this wealth, he says, I've lifted my hands to God, the possessor, the possessor. If you read other translations, it'll say the creator of the heavens and the earth. By now, Abram understands that what I used to worship, God who spoke to me, created. And then the funny thing is that over in the 15th chapter of Genesis, God 
has to help Abram with his faith. God tells, matter of fact, read it. Look at Genesis 15. Put up Genesis 15, verse 1. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Amplified says something like, I'm your abundant compensation. Your reward shall be great. Glory to God. Then Abram said, look. Now here's Abram, who's been a moon worshiper, not used to, because, you know, when you worship the moon, the stars, they can't talk to you. When you worship your little rocks and your little beads and your little rabbit feet in your pocket, they can't talk to you. <laughs> you got your little crystal ball and your little, your little Ouija board, they can't talk back to you. If they do, it's demons anyhow. I told you that last week. So here they are. He says, but Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Now he's questioning God, how will I know that what you're telling me is really going to happen? Look at verse 4, verse 4. And, and behold, the word of the Lord came to, came to him, saying, This one, Eleazar, shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. I'm about to blow your mind, Abraham. Now watch verse 5. Verse 5. You're going to laugh at this, Sharif. Then he brought him outside. He brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, watch God's joking with him, and count the stars if you are able to number them. Now, we've preached that and just talked about how impossible it is to count the stars, and Abraham has to go count the stars. But you got to look at it in the context of Abraham was a star worshiper. He was a moon gazer. He was a planet gazer. He had studied the heavens. He grew up studying the heavens. He grew up trying to study these stars. He knew about Polaris and he knew about the Big Dipper. He knew about Orion. He knew about the Big Bear. These things were known before St. Pete came along. These things have been around for... It's that they're in your Bible. The Bible talks about Orion and all these constellations that we think, wow, we just discovered. We didn't just discover that. This is in, it's in your Bible. These things that God himself created. These constellations that God himself created. And Abraham has been studying them, and he didn't know that the God who's talking to him is the one who made them. So God says, Abram, if you really want to know the word's going to come to pass, I'm going to take you back out to what you've been studying. I'm going to say, now count the stars if you can. God knew he could not count the stars. God knew he could not number them. What he studied, he could not number. But God, the Bible says, God knows all the stars. So God, in his infinite wisdom, could have said, Abram, count them. Oh, you got this one, two, wait a minute. One, two, three. He, he could have gotten to 1,200. And wait, wait, dog, I missed one. 1,200. And God could have said, Abraham, there are 17,842,376 stars in the heavens. Because he created them. He knows every single one of them. So he's got Abraham. Can, can I show you something here? 
So Abraham finally is convinced. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, and he believed in the Lord. Boom. Notice it didn't say he believed the Lord. It says he believed in the Lord. Y'all missed that. That one thing changed his whole mind. And he believed in the Lord. That means he was hearing God. He was talking to God. God had done great things. He, but he's still, he still analyzing. Y'all don't believe me. Okay, okay, okay. Y'all don't, y'all don't believe me. Y'all deep theological doctorate people you got in here. You remember in Genesis 22 when God challenged Abram to take his son up on the mountain and slay him? Do you know why? Because as pagans, that's what they did. And Abram, between 15 and 21, had gotten into a little thing where, he, remember, he had got it with, with Hagar. So although he believed God, he let his wife give him a little different thing, and he, rather than believe God, God amen. rather than stay believing God, he went the way of his, what his wife told him. And he didn't stick to his word. He didn't stick to no God said, we're going to have a child. It's going to be me and you, baby. And he let his wife talk him into laying with that woman, Hagar. That created an issue in his house. So God said, I got to finally break you out of that. So since you got back into this old way of doing things, now take your son up on this mountain and kill him. I got to break all that old paganism out of you. I got to show you I am the only living God. I am the only true God. I am the only real God. Can you say hallelujah? God is trying to prove to you and me even to this day over and over and over again that he is the only God. Because God doesn't want to see his people drifting back into this paganism, drifting back into this humanism, drifting back into this, into this agnosticism and this atheism and polytheism. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to last week. But polytheism is this many gods worship. There's a mixture in the church today. Am I saying it right? There's a mixture where you have people, they are worshiping God, yes. But they're also worshiping other things. I mentioned to you last week, Chrislam. Well, now there's this mixture of Christianity and Islam as if they actually can coexist. And they cannot coexist. No, baby, we don't serve the same God. Muslims do not worship the same God that we worship. They worship Allah, who has no son, who's not even real. <laughs> Based on the words of a prophet, Muhammad, who's still dead. And the one that you serve, he died. Didn't he die? Help me, my, my Baptist people. He died. Didn't he die? He died till he was satisfied. But early, I don't have any good Baptists in here, do I? Early on the third day morning, he got up, 
So I cannot mix and mingle Christianity with Islam. Pastor, I'm not doing that. You cannot mix Christianity, Destino, with voodoo. That's why God had to do you like he did Abraham. Come out from your kindred. Come out from your father's house. Come out from your country. Come out from your people because you can't serve God and voodoo. You can't serve God and candles and rocks and beads and incense and sage. Tell your neighbor you can't do it. Tell them stop doing that. I don't know if they're doing that. I don't care if you don't know. Just assume, just assume they got a little something telling you you can't do that. Stop doing that. Don't make any sense. Christian asking other Christians what's their sign. You might as well live by fortune cookies. Saw some prefabricated man-made thing that somebody put in a factory anyhow. And here you are living as a child of the living God. You're going to mix something else in, something inferior, something that's not even real. But I told you what happened last week. The reason why these idols are so powerful is because demons are behind all of them. That's what Paul says. He says, when you sacrifice the idols, is it really anything? He said, no, you're really sacrificing to demons. Because every demon, every idol has a demon spirit behind it. That's why we keep telling you folk, listen to me, folk online. It ain't y'all. It's folk online. Stop doing yoga. Oh, that's how y'all look. I had to drop the mic because y'all looking like, oh, stop doing yoga. Yoga is not good exercise. Yoga is Hindu worship. No, my football team is doing yoga. No, my baseball team is doing yoga. No, we're stretching because before we go out on stage that we're doing yoga. No, 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 no. You're doing worship. Every pose that you strike is a pose of worship of Hindu gods. The same way we have Yoda and Toda in the Hebrew. When we praise God with raising our hands or praise God by clapping or praise God by dancing, Hindus praise their gods by their forms, by their poses. While you sit and meditate and trying to find your center, Who's really finding your center is the devil. The devil's getting right on the center of your heart. The devil's sitting right on the center of your throne. And before you know it, you're going to wake up and there's going to be a python snake spirit all in your spine. The kundalini yoga is going to get all in your, in your spirit. Before you know it, you're going to be out there chirping and chowing and doing some crazy stuff and don't know why you're doing it. It's because you thought you were just exercising. Then we send our kids to public schools and they get out there in second grade and kindergarten and they're doing yoga and we say, oh, that's, it's cute. It's, just, it's not just cute. It's Hindu worship that they are indoctrinating our children with. 
neighbor, stop it. God's trying to find somebody who's going to worship the Lord, their God, and him only shall you serve. You don't think that if the devil would meet Jesus on a mountain and try to get Jesus, Christ, who he knows is the son of God to worship him, you don't think he's going to try to get you to worship him? Can I tell you why God blessed Abram? In Genesis 18, 19, Genesis 18, 19, God says, for I have known him. For I have known him. This is one of Abraham is, is getting settled. God says, for I have known him in order that he may command, command, command. Well, no, I let them decide if they want to go to church and I let them decide if they want to serve God and I let them decide if they want to sing in the youth choir. I let, I, I let them decide if they want, to go to, they want to go to children's church. I let them decide if they want to read. I let them decide. No, that he may command his children. It, notice it didn't say... God didn't say, I, I known him that in order that he may encourage his children. <laughs> well, I encourage him, pastor. No, he didn't say encourage them. He said command them. They quiet on this side over here. They real, they real quiet. They real quiet. He said command. If you're a parent, be a parent, doggone it. Stop being a punk. Call yourself a parent. If you're a parent, Command. I wish I had a little more help in it. If you're going to be a parent, you can't be no punk and be no parent. He didn't tell you encourage. He said command. Now I want to stay home. Stay home where? Oh, you must be in a foster home because you're not staying in this home and you're not going with me because no, 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 no. It's not, not going to be like that. So it, no, it's command. He said, I've known Abram that he may command his children and his household. That means even the servants in his house had to go to church. Time to pray, everybody going to pray. That they may keep the way of the Lord. In other words, my whole house, we're going to serve the living God. So I told you last week that God vehemently commanded his people to only serve him. Repeatedly, Exodus 20 verse 3, in the Ten Commandments we read that they've now taken down from everywhere in our society. He said, you shall have no other gods before me. It's no wonder that they want that down. They don't want the Ten Commandments on the, on, on, on the schools and on the, on the courthouses. Now doesn't the Ten Commandments say thou shalt not murder? Why wouldn't they want that up there? They agree we shouldn't murder. Doesn't the Ten Commandments, Joe, say thou shalt not steal? 
They agree we shouldn't steal. But before you get to thou shalt not steal, before you get to thou shalt not kill, before you get to thou shalt not commit adultery, it says thou shalt have no other gods before me. And that's what they can't stand. That's what the secular society can't stand. That's what the school system can't stand. That's what government can't stand. That's what the business world can't stand. That thou shalt have no other gods before me because they made money their gods. They made sex their gods. They made their own bodies their gods. They made science. Believe the science. They made science their gods. It would be okay, Eduardo, if the world took that approach. But the problem that God has the reason why he has me preaching to you today is because the problem is not that the world, because the world does what the world does. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not surprised when a dog barks, a dog ought to bark. I'm not surprised when a cat meows, a cat ought to meow, but I'm shocked. If the church, which the Bible says calls the church of the living God, Tell your neighbor, you serve the living God. The church of the living God has allowed foreign gods to enter in. Do you know there are churches, major churches, that are offering yoga workshops and conferences and sessions? People, if I were to call their name, you, everyone in here would know their names. I, I just, I won't do it. But they're, they're selling candles for relaxation and serenity. When your Bible tells us, I'll keep you in perfect peace if your mind is stayed on me. That if you think on things that are lovely and things that are honest, things that are good report. It says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, if you want to get your praise back, you don't need to wave any sage, baby. You need to wave your hands. If you want to get the devil up out of your house, you need to wave your hands. You don't need sage. You don't need a candle. You want to know the candle you need? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching the innermost parts of the belly. You are a candle. You are a candle. Light your fire. Light your candle with the flame of the Holy Ghost. And it will create a peaceful atmosphere in your whole house. The church finds itself just like they did in 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18 these people, you know, these some, I mean, it's got to be some hard-headed people. Those of you who went through the Bible school, Old Testament, we saw in the book of Judges, and you see it throughout beyond the book of Judges, this repeated cycle, apostasy, servitude, repentance, deliverance. And God would raise up a judge and deliver the people. And before you know it, it wasn't, it wasn't 40, 50 years later, they're back in apostasy. 
Because of apostasy, they're now made ser- servants again. Enslaved by people. Then they'd all of a sudden say, we need to cry out, repent to God, and God will raise up a judge like Gideon, like Samson, to deliver them. And they celebrate that freedom for a little while, but before you know it, because they did not change, renew their minds, they went right back to the same old foolish behavior that got them in trouble in the first place. That's just like some of us in the church. I'm, 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 this, I'm, there's none of y'all I know this. Probably, probably people online. Here they are. God, I need your help, and God helps. And then they go back to the same idolatry. By the time we arrive at 1 Kings 18, God has raised a man named Elijah. Because of the baker, whenever people get to a place of this idolatry, this abomination, where they know God has been good. You don't bother folk if they've never experienced the hand of God. That's why the Bible says that it is impossible for those who've tasted, those who've walked with God, those who've tasted the heavenly gift, that if they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Oh, y'all don't like that. God says, if you have tasted of the heavenly gift, been filled with the Holy Ghost, walking with God, experienced the fire, experienced the power of God, walked with him, known his voice, and if you turn away, he said, it is impossible to renew you again. Y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like that. No, don't give up on God because he, he says it's impossible to renew you again. Seeing that you crucify the Son of God afresh. That's why you read in Romans chapter 1, as God has gone, gone through this chronicle of people's digression, he says he turned them, he gave them up. He gave them up. And then it says he gave them over. Because God will only allow so much. And so these people in 1 Kings 18, they're Baal worshipers. God's people who he brought out of Egypt. God's people who he brought through the Red Sea. God's people who he took them through the wilderness. God's people who he, he brought them water out of a rock. God's people who he brought them manna out of heaven. God's people who he brought them quail out of the sky who had seen God's power, seen God's hand. Here they are. They've prospered. They've gotten over in their promised land. And God already told them that when you get over there, kill everybody. Because if you don't kill them, they're going to become snares to you. Here they are. Here they are. And they killed some, but not all. Tell your neighbor, partial obedience is disobedience. Tell somebody because they ain't get it. Tell them partial obedience is disobedience. In other words, if you're going to obey God, you got to obey God all the way. Help me, Holy Ghost. You remember Saul? 
Saul. And Saul, God told him to go and kill everybody off. And he got the big head and said, well, we're going to save all the good, these sheep over here, and we're going to save these folk over here, and we're going to do something. And, and the man of God, Samuel, said, hey, hey, did you, did you do what God said? Oh, yeah, I did, I did, I did what God said. He said, what did is all this bleeding? I hear all this bad, bad, this sheep. He said, oh, oh, I was saving some of them because, oh, and he said, listen, 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 Saul, God has rejected you because to obey is better than sacrifice. In this you've sinned, and God has rejected you from being king. Here's the wonderful thing about that. It's funny. Although God rejected Saul from being king, he still served as king for several years. I heard a prophet, Ben Smith, said this. The kingdom is the only place where God will fire you and let you still work. Somebody, you won't get it till tomorrow. The kingdom is the only place that God will fire you and let you still work. Here you are thinking, I'm, I'm still good. I know God fires you. He's just waiting until he gets, has time to raise up the next person to take your spot. God still needed time to raise up David. To get David ready to assume the position, Saul was already fired. Why? Because he rejected God's word. He didn't obey God in fullness. So these people, because they did not obey God in fullness, they now have been snared and they've fallen into the same worship of those people that they should have killed. So that now they're stuck in Baal worship. Y'all got this. So in the text, 1 Kings 18. Oh my God. Verse 20. Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter? King James, how long do you halt? Halt, how long are you stuck? Between two opinions. To be between two opinions will paralyze you. In other words, if you don't go whole hog after God, you think you're moving, but you're really going nowhere. You ever seen somebody who got their wheel stuck in some mud deep? Back in the country. Remember back in St. Pete, it used to be like that, some roads. We didn't, you know, we didn't have all these paved roads like we have now. Anybody 40 and above, you remember back in the day, we didn't have all these paved roads like we have now. Back then, you get in the mud somewhere, and you can, you can hit that gas. You were going nowhere but down. You were stuck in the mud. And somebody had to come pull you out. And that's what God did through Elijah. He sent Elijah to come pull them out because they were stuck between two opinions. They thought they were prospering. They thought they were progressing, but they were stuck between two opinions. They thought they were doing good. They thought they, that they were movers and shakers. They thought that they were influencers, but they were stuck between two opinions. Because the devil will let you think. I wish I had some more Pentecostal people. The devil will let you think. I told you last week that because demons are behind every idol and the devil is a devil of lying wonders, he will do lying wonders in your life that make you think that what you're doing is working. 
I told you last week, you'll burn the sage and everything will feel calm. You'll burn, burn the little candle and everything will feel calm. You'll follow what, what the same thing the root lady told you and all of a sudden you'll get your new man. Because the root lady said, if you put on a red hat with a little lace on it, you're going to find a new man on the corner of 37th and Happy. And you go down to 37th and Happy and you find you a new man, huh? But you didn't know he was evil from the devil, from the pit of hell himself. Because the devil will work lying wonders. So you don't even realize you're stuck. You think, boy, I'm doing it. Boy, I'm balling. You're stuck. I'm doing good. You're stuck. Boy, I'm happier than I ever was. You're stuck. He said, how long halt ye? How long falter? How long are you stuck between two opinions? Are y'all here today? He said, if the Lord is God, follow him. Lord, have mercy. Follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Look at the people, though. They answered him not a word. Now, these are, these are God's people who, when they heard the prophet, the recognized prophet say that if God's God serve him, as Baal's God serve him, they couldn't say a word. They were so stuck. Their minds, thank you, Holy Ghost. My, my, my wife and I, there's a, there's a phrase we use. It came to me, phrase came to me years ago, and it's sad. I see people, they, they you know, the Bible says be transformed by the knowing of your minds. And I, I watch people it, it, right in this church or right in the body of Christ renew their minds backwards. In other words, they got into God, got into the Word, start walking with God, and they were being transformed. Their minds were being renewed, and they were going in God. All of a sudden, they got in the wrong company. Preacher Takina said the other night, evil communication, evil company corrupts good manners, good habits. She preached that thing Wednesday night. You get around the wrong folk and all of a sudden you'll start getting corrupted. The seed's not corrupted, the word's not corrupted, but your ground is corrupted. And people start saying things and now you start going backwards. You renew your mind backwards to the point that the word is not more powerful to you than what the world says. And pretty soon the world and their opinions will start carrying more weight than the word of God. I know I'm sweating. Y'all making me work hard. He says, and I'm left alone, verse 22, a prophet of the Lord, Baal's prophets, 450 men. Let them choose, give us two bulls, and let them choose one for themselves. Cut it in pieces, lay it on the wood, put, on, put no fire under it. I'll prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but no fire under it. He says, watch this. Then you call on the name of your gods. You call. <laughs> All 450 of y'all, y'all call. On the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. You remember, thank you, Holy Ghost. You remember the book of Jonah 
That's three S's. It's in your Bible, J-O-N-A-H, Jonah. Old Testament, minor prophet. It's a little small book, okay? Jonah, this man, y'all heard Jonah and the whale. Okay, it wasn't a whale, but this, we say Jonah and the whale, right? So, so, so in the book of Jonah, when Jonah gets on that boat, the wrong boat, going the wrong way, disobeying God, and a storm hits, that's going to destroy that whole boat everybody's on it. The, the, the Bible says the people, the captain of the ship came and said, everybody get up right now and call on your gods. We got to find out who's behind this. Because these were heathens calling your God. The 27th chapter of Acts, we see the same thing happening when Paul is on his way to Rome. And there's a storm comes up called Eurachlodon. And the Bible says that when this storm came up, that the captain said, everybody call on the name of your gods. Paganism was so rampant that they were used to, listen, if we're in trouble, only one's going to get us out of trouble is your gods. So people are used to calling on their gods. Some people, your gods are the government. And so you call on your gods. But Elijah says, we're going to make a clear distinction. He said, the God who answers. The God who answers. We don't even need to get to the part about by fire yet. The God. <laughs> because those gods have ears and do not hear, eyes and do not see, mouth and do not speak. And they have hands and can't touch. He said, so the God who answers, he already got them right there. He already got them. Because there's, there's only one God who can actually answer. Our God says, if you call me. Oh, boy. If you call me. How many of y'all have ever had to call on the Lord and he answered you? Why don't you say, God, thank you for answering my prayers. I cried unto him and he heard my prayer. I called on the Lord, he heard my cry. He pitied my every groan. Long as I live and troubles rise, I hasten to his throne. Why? Because he's the God who answers. Tell somebody, I serve the God who answers. I don't just call on him, but he answers. One time he says, while you're yet calling, I will answer you. One time he said, before you call, I will answer you. Good God. What kind of God we serve that says, while you're yet speaking, I will answer you. Then another time he said, before you call me, before you call me, I will answer you. Y'all, I don't think y'all got that. Before you call me, I will answer you. That means as soon as you turn like God, he already answered that means he already sees you. He already knows what you're going through. He already knows what you're facing. And he's standing by waiting. Just turn to me. Just turn. Just turn. Soon as you call, I got an answer. I'm going to release into your life. I got an answer. I'm going to bring it to your life. Just call. And before you call, I'm already going to answer you. I wish I had some Holy Ghost for people just shout, yes, hallelujah. Before you call, 
before you call. That's the kind of God we serve before you call. Before that prodigal son made it back home, that father saw him afar off and began to run unto him. Before you call, son, I will answer you. The God who answers. Glory to God. The God who answers. First Corinthians 12, 2 says that we used to serve dumb idols. Dumb idols. Tell somebody idols are dumb. Dumb means they can't speak. I laugh every time I go walking through my neighborhood because I see these folk in my neighborhood. They have these Buddha statues in the, in the, in the yard. And they, they're all covered with algae and mildew and cracked and broken up. And I said, what a shame. How foolish can you be serving a God that you got to place him in the yard and can't even clean himself? How he going to clean you up and he can't clean himself? You serve a God, he can't clean your conscience because he can't even clean himself. You serve a God who, who can't put you in a place because he can't put himself in place. Any place he, you, that he is, you got to put him there. Who, who going to serve? What kind of fool serves a God? You got to put him where he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'll answer your prayer. Just place me over there. But yet these people were serving false gods. They knew the history of their people with the real true living God. They knew that when they came out of Egypt that he walked with them as a cloud by day. They knew that he walked with them by night as a pillar of fire. They knew, and yet they had been so deceived and so persuaded into serving other gods. Don't tell me it can't happen to you. That's why your Bible said, I told you last week, if any man thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall. Because the devil will pull people out in little subtle ways. Seducing spirits. Seducing spirits, just subtly pulling you out. That's why he, he likes to have your children watching little cartoons that you think are so innocent. And yet they're introducing our little children to demon worship. Making it common, making it acceptable. Pass nothing wrong with Disney. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're yeah, okay, 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 okay. You better sit there and watch it through your gospel eyes. Because your gospel eyes would show you 
that they are indoctrinating children with demon worship. I woke up this morning and and on my spirit, I've never, I don't even know what it is, but I looked it up. I Googled it as soon as I woke up. Taoism. T-A-O-ism. It's a Chinese religion. It comes out of China. It's similar to Buddhism. Yeah, and people buying all this Tao stuff, Christians. It's Taoism is a religion. I, I, I don't know what it is. I just woke up with that. Tao, look up Taoism. We watch things like Kung Fu Panda. Such a good movie. It was teaching Taoism. Black Panther. Teaching ancestral worship. Y'all shut up. Now shut up, shut up, shut up. I want to hear all y'all back talk. Y'all talking back to me in the spirit. Shut up. I'm using sweet lips. I'm talking to the spirit. I'm not talking to y'all. We think, oh, it's just so innocent. It's so entertaining. All of the Marvel comics are teaching humanism. No, it's innocent. They're all teaching humanism. This is, he was show you, we used to have as little kids uh, back, uh, 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 not like, one was Power Rangers. There was another one, Captain Planet. All, this is, uh, there's another one. They were, all, they were all produced by Ted Turner, a devout humanist. To teach humanism. Oh, y'all looking at me like 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 this this is my fault. It's not my fault. I'm telling you how to get out of this here. See, because we don't understand that we when we let those little things enter in, somebody preached the other night, a little leaven. That was preacher Tokina again. A little leaven. A little leaven, Come, can I get some, some Frank for help? A little, because they ain't going to help me. A little leaven leavens the whole lot. So when you let a little of it in, that's why the Bible tells you, you and me to not sow our fields with mixed seed. It was a natural law, but it represented a spiritual law. He said, don't sow mixed seed in your fields. If you sow mixed seed in your field, you're going to corrupt both of the harvests that you get. So our ground, our heart is ground. Our heart is a field. And if you and I sow, I took my glasses off so I can't see your face. If you and I sow mixed seed into our, the field of our hearts, we're going to corrupt the things that are in our heart. And we're sitting here thinking we can't even think straight. We will end up halt, falter between two opinions. It's one eleven. I can I can see the little lines. I, it's not sharp, but I know I see three straight lines. So I'm assuming it's one eleven. Am I right? One twenty. Oh, I thought. Oh, 
All right. I confess 2020, it just hadn't manifested yet. I might try driving home like this today. Oh, no, okay, all right, all right. What, what you, everybody over to somebody, give me a head start. Our God, he said, let the God who answers by fire. So he said, I need to make a clear distinction between God who just answers because the demons can give you some, some they, can, they can copy some things. Moses, throw down your rod. Have Aaron throw down his rod. And when Aaron threw down his rod in front of Pharaoh, what did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh called his magician and said, hey, do that. Throw down your rods. And just like Aaron's rod turned into a serpent, the magician's rods turned into a serpent. But the serpent that came by the power of God devoured the serpents that came out of the pit of hell. Tell, you, tell your neighbor the devil cannot be God. Not now day, not now day, not now time, not ever. He can't, he can't ever beat our God. Our God is the highest God. Our God is the mighty God. Our God is a powerful God. Our God is a glorious God. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Give God a shout right now. He can imitate, but he can never duplicate. So we're going to make sure it's the God who answers by fire. It's the God who answers by fire. And what, listen, I, I'm, let me wrap it up. We got a meeting this week. When God, thank you, Holy Ghost. Let me back up. When the people begin to cry out, they cried out. He said, I'm going to let y'all get the first shift. Y'all got first, first at it. That, that's, that, that's what a real athlete know. When you're going to play a game, you go first. I, I, want, I want the ball last. I'm, I'm gonna let, I, I want to see what you can do. Because when I see what you can do, then I'm going to come behind you. I'm going to trump what you do. That's what, right? Am I, that's what good athletes. So they, the Bible says they begin to cry. Y'all know the story? They begin to cry out unto their gods. 450 of them. Crying out and there was no answer. Tell your neighbor there was no answer. But they kept on crying out to their gods. Kept crying. 10 o'clock came around. Still no answer. 11 o'clock came around. Still no answer. Now Elijah says, listen boys. Maybe your God is eating the lunch. Maybe your God is taking a nap. Maybe your God is going on vacation. You better cry out a little bit louder to get your God to answer. And they cried out even the more and still no answer. They got so desperate, the Bible says, they begin to cut themselves with stones. That's what demons want to get you to do. That when you really need help, when you really need an answer, he will not answer you and you'll begin to mutilate your own self because you
you need some help and he will not respond to you. They begin to cut themselves with stones. Maybe if we shed blood, aren't you glad you serve a God that doesn't make you shed blood to get his attention? But up on Calvary's cross, he shed his own blood to get our attention. He shed his own blood to redeem us. He shed his own blood to save our lives. He shed his own blood to deliver us. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so they cried. They shed blood and still they had no answer. I just said, got it away, boys. Y'all sit down. Let me show you something. He says, take that altar, build it back. Y'all made a mess. Build that altar. My bull is on it. He said, and we're going to make it a little interesting. Because I want you to know who the real God is. So I need you to bring me 12 barrels of water. 12 is the number of government. 12 is the number of God's divine government. I'm going to bring the government of God on this thing here. I'm going to bring the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. I'm going to bring, I'm going to put the whole government of God on this thing. He said, bring 12 barrels of water and soak down. Now, you know you can't burn wet wood. You can't burn wet meat. But he said, soak it. Brought barrels of water. He said, do it again. No, do it again. I want it soaked. It was so soaked. The Bible says not only was the, was the, the bull soaked, not only was the water wet, but all the trenches were full of water. He said, now, boys, sit back. I'm going to show you who the real God is. And he didn't beg. Sister Marie, he didn't have to cry loud. He didn't have to cut himself. He didn't have to jump over any hurdles or run through any hoops. All he says was, Lord God of heaven and earth. He said, just answer me now and show everybody who the real God is. And the Bible says, fire fell from heaven. And it consumed the sacrifice. It licked up all the water. Watch this. And it licked up all the stones. What kind of fire is so powerful that it can devour stones? It's the fire of God. Pastor, what does this have to do with us in 2022? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. I don't have any Bible students in here. Help me out, Frankfurt. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And well, what does that have to do with us? How do I get the fire? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together with one accord in one place. And there came a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and one sat upon each one of them and they began to speak with other tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. The same fire that fell from God on Elijah's bull is the same fire that fell on the day of Pentecost and if you and I would make our lives a living sacrifice, the fire of God will fall on us. The fire of God will fall on us. The fire of God will lick up everything that's not like God. Every habit, every addiction, every stronghold, every hang up, the fire of God will turn life around. Give God a shout. And if you've been searching, trying other religions, trying other idols, trying other gods. You've been lighting candles, trying to find some peace. You've been burning sage, trying to find serenity. You've been trying every medicine you know to find some healing. I'm challenging you today to cry out, not to those gods, but cry out to the living God, the only one who answers by fire. Your horoscope cannot determine your future. God says, I know the plans. Help me, Frankfurt. I know the plans. I have. Tell your neighbor, God has plans for your life. They're not in tarot cards. They're not in the horoscope. They're not in your palms being read. They're not in the newspaper. They're not in a fortune cookie. If you want to know the plans of God for your life, get your face in the word of God. Get your face in the word of God. Spend time with God and say, God, show me what you want me to do. God, show me where you want me to go. God, show me what you want me to have. God, show me what, what you want me to say. God, anything you want me to do, I will do it. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. And he has plans for your life. And when you know God has been good to you, when you know what God has done in your life, don't be foolish and turn to the left or to the right to serve other gods. Worship the Lord your God and him only do you serve. And if your cousin follows another God, let them go. If your mama not my mama, Pastor. Not my mama. Yeah, if your mama serves another God, let them go. But as for me, I dare you to high five somebody and say, As for me in my house, I dare you to find somebody who really believes in God and say, As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. If you want to serve a rock, be dumb. 
If you want to serve a candle, be dumb. If you want to serve a tree, be dumb. But as for me and my house, we will serve. Because when I was down and out, I called on the Lord. And he heard me and delivered me up out of a horrible pit. When I was down and out, I was struggling in sin. I called on Jesus and he heard my cry. When I was depressed in my mind, you ain't got to testify. When I was depressed in my mind, you ain't got to say nothing over here. When I was depressed in my mind and I couldn't get myself going, I cried unto Jesus. And he answered my prayer. Hallelujah. You can serve anybody else you want, but that's for me. And my house. Be a fool if you want to. In this day we're living in. The devil is increasing his presence, his lying wonder manifestation to deceive. That's why God said that he has to shorten the days. Didn't he say that? Because if not, even the very elect... Y'all missed that. God said, even my very elect will be deceived. So I got to shorten the days. Because you know, there's people that will sit right up in church. Speak in tongues. And let some snithering snake come in and deceive them. He said, so I got to shorten the days. I gotta, because the devil's turning it up. making some crazy things happen. I don't just mean, I don't just mean the the shootings and the things that we see, the violence. I mean, he's going he's gonna to call some things that look like, wow, that's a miracle. Lying wonders. Trying to deceive the very elect. But I'm not going anywhere. Because there's only one God who can answer by fire. There's only one God who when he does what he does, five years from now, it doesn't turn out to be a curse in disguise. The devil will do things and make it look like this is a blessing. It's a curse. But we have one God that we'll serve who does all things well. Everybody stand to your feet. There's only one God. He's the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't have any other gods before him. 
That doesn't mean, I told you that last week, that before doesn't mean don't put gods ahead of him. It means don't have any other gods near him, around him. He's in a class, a category by himself. Don't have any, don't try to put anything else next to God. That's why Elijah said this, Deacon Mac. He said, if Baal is God, go ahead and serve him. My kids were telling me about this kind of phenomenon, this phenomenon within in the world. These girls, these girls who they they talk about it on, on social media about their man with all other kind of girls. They, they don't mind. Hey, but he 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 mine as long as you know he's coming home to me. That car you riding in, that's my car. He, they, they put this out to, to other girls. I said, what? They said, yeah, these girls are like, they don't mind a day. They don't mind people knowing that their man ain't no good. He ain't really loyal. Long as people know, at the end of the day, he coming home to me. Now, what kind of foolishness is that, Joe? Mac, what kind of foolishness is that? We sharing. It's okay. I wish you would. And if that doesn't make sense to you and me, it doesn't make sense to God. If Baal is God, serve him. Let Baal pay your rent. Let Baal pay your phone bill, your light bill. Let Baal. You know why people were serving Baal? One of the things about Baal and Ashtaroth. Is they they were gods of fertility and 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 uh, success prosperity. Because people were trying to that's why the Asteroids, it talks about that. Those he talked about the four hundred fifty prophets of Baal and then the prophets of the Grove. The Grove, you read about that where it was a sexual place where they had these orgies. They had these these wooden images built, and that's going on right here in America. All your little frats and sororities, these orgies they have. Elijah, don't join them. You go off to school, they're gonna try to get you in there. You're a good-looking young man. Hey, get it. You, hey, bro, you ought to be a you ought to be a kappa. You like a kappa man. Bright skin, they can say you a kappa man. Now listen to them. They have you doing some stuff. Before you know it, here's what the devil's goal is. Is to turn you out. Y'all know what turnout means, right? Y'all know what I mean we turn them out. It's, that's the goal is to turn them out. See? So you got you gotta you gotta say no. If God is God, I'm gonna serve him. Period. Everybody head bowed. I'm going to pray right now, and I'm not going to ask anybody to come up front. But I'm going to ask you if I'm talking about you in this next statement, and if you raise your hands, I want to make sure I know I'm praying for somebody in this place. If you say, Pastor, when I evaluate my life, I really uh, can see where I've let some of this idolatry slip in. I got over into 
some of the roots or some of the candles or some of the rocks or some of the stuff. His, my sign had become important in my life again. These personality tests people are doing to determine who they're going to fellowship with and stuff. There's different things people are doing. There's things that people, people are doing the devil is introducing this idolatry to. And God is so loving that he says, okay, you blew it. But he, this, God, God is so good. He says this in the, in the word. He says, if you turn to me, I'll return to you. That is so easy. If you return to me, I'll return to you. He don't make it hard. He don't make you go sacrifice nothing. He just says, just return to me. I'll return to you. It's that easy. So I'm going to pray. And if that's you, if you say, Pastor, I got, got over to some stuff, and I just want to repent about that, just slip your hand in there. I want to know I'm praying for somebody. I know I'm praying for somebody. I know I'm praying for somebody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're getting ready to pray. Got every hand to raise and needs to be up? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I stand in proxy. For all those in the sound of my voice and those even not here, but they're still listening, they're watching, who will admit that they have gotten over into some sort of idolatry and they've not served you exclusively. God, today we repent. We repent and we turn. And we ask you to forgive us. You said in your word, if we confess our sins to you, are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray, Father, that every one of these, your precious people, who understand and know in their hearts that they've gotten over into something, that God, as they repent even now, that God, you hear their cry. You said before they call, you will answer. Before they call, before we call you, you will answer us, God. Thank you for being such a loving and merciful and kind God. God, today we accept your forgiveness. We accept your forgiveness. God, we won't let the devil have any more entry into our lives. We'll give no more place to the devil. We'll not allow him to, to introduce his little ideas and ideal ideologies into our lives. And God, we'll be more discerning. Your word tells us to walk circumspectly, to walk carefully. God, we'll not just let ourselves listen to and watch anything and read anything and take anything in without measuring what the effects will be on our lives. I pray, Father, that you'll help us, those of us who are parents, to be strong and bold and courageous. No wimpy parenting. When your word tells says about Abram that, Lord, he will command, Lord, we become commanders of our children without options. Hallelujah. God, we're not moved by their tears, not moved by their rebellion and their resistance because we have to give an account to you.
God, I pray that, Lord, you help us, every one of us, to guard our hearts with all diligence because you said out of it are the issues of life. So we guard our ear gates, our eye gates, our mouth gates. We don't let anything enter into our hearts, our spirits, that will corrupt us and not allow the seed of the word to produce in our lives. I pray, God, for that these, your people, will experience tremendous blessings and favor that comes from serving you exclusively. Hallelujah. You said in your word in Isaiah 118, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Then you said in verse 19, if we be willing and obedient, you said we'll eat the good of the land. I pray for your people that God, everyone else will be willing and obedient and eat the good of the land that you have for us. I thank you and I give you praise for these blessings in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Put those hands